Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't think there is a magical number. I don't think that there is a right number per se, but I'll tell you what I consider to be an emergency fund. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. This is a video episode, so if you're listening, you can go ahead and watch me on YouTube if you'd prefer, just by searching my name, Latasha James, in the search bar. And if you're watching on YouTube, please take a second to subscribe to my podcasting platforms. You can do that here or here. I'll leave all the links in the description box. Pretty much any of the major podcasting platforms is where you can find the Freelance Friday podcast. So, it's a weird time in the world right now. That's been covered. I've, t- I've done a couple of videos about what's going on, what it means for business and just the world. And I'm sure we will be talking about that more in videos and podcasts to come. Unfortunately, this doesn't seem like it's going to be over anytime soon. So I'm sure we will be talking more about that. I wanted to record this episode though for a while, even before you know the whole COVID stuff hit because it is so, so important. And what I'm talking about is emergency funds and why every single freelancer, really every single person, but especially freelancers who have a, you know, more unpredictable income, who may have a little bit more risk involved with their lifestyle and their, you know, their finances. It's so important that we all have an emergency fund. So that's what I want to cover today. Okay, so why do you need one? I mean, we're living the example of exactly why you need one. I never thought when I decided to become a freelancer, I never once thought, you know what? I need an emergency fund because what if a pandemic hits that's global and that affects the economy and potentially my client base and things like that? That was never something that was in my mind. And I don't mean to like make light of that. It's it's just such a random thing. I mean, there are people on this earth who are very old who have never experienced something like this. So it is pretty random. So you might be thinking, Latasha, I get what you're saying, but this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Nobody can prepare for this. And I feel you. No, nobody can prepare for it. But there are other things that might come up. There's health issues. I hope you don't have them, but I've had to take time off of work before. And if I was a freelancer at the time when I had to do that, I would have been, what's a non-swear word to say? I would have been screwed. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have been able to do that because I didn't have any money in my bank account when I needed my foot surgery. I got like leave. Uh, I think it's like t- called temporary disability. Things like that are, are times when you will need a little bit of extra money in the bank. And unfortunately, a lot of the typical traditional help like short-term disability and things like that don't usually apply to freelancers. Now, I will say that this whole COVID stuff, one good thing that's been happening, at least in the US, is there has been a lot more small business and freelance support than there has been in the past in the recovery bill that was passed. And I'm not going to dig deep into that because I'm not, 
I don't feel that I'm qualified to dig through each of those pieces, but what I will do is I'll leave in the description box and in the show notes, I'll leave some resources from Freelancers Union and other more qualified people to kind of break down what the recovery bill looks like for us freelancers and 1099 employees, gig workers, things like that. But anyway, my point is traditionally those things have not helped us. I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of a shift, but has not usually been the case. Uh, so yes, pandemics happen, health issues happen, but also, you know, clients come and go. And as much as I would love for my favorite clients ever to stay with me forever and ever, that would make life easier. That's just not how freelancing works. And it's really important to always have a backup on a backup on a backup so that you're not left wondering how you're going to pay the bills. Legal trouble, lawsuits, things like that. Hope this doesn't happen to you. Knock on wood, hope this doesn't happen to any of us, but especially with the digital world and how quickly laws and rules and regulations change, I have seen people get fined thousands and thousands of dollars for using an image that wasn't theirs. I've seen people, you know, get in a lot of trouble and it's always good to be able to have a little bit of money in the bank to defend yourself against something like that. I also want to say this is like a bit of a side note, but this is just something I don't know that I've ever talked about on my podcast. And so I want to take a second to mention it here. Please get business insurance if you are able, if you have a business, I I strongly recommend it because on the topic of legal lawsuits, copyright, all that stuff, I know, again, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I know that my Uh, business insurance does cover some amount of any potential lawsuits or copyright infringement issues. So that I think is covered in most basic liability plans. I'm not an insurance agent, so don't quote me, but it's a very small investment. It's like $40 a month, I think is what I pay. And it kind of acts as a bit of a emergency fund in a non-traditional way. I think it's a really good idea to have. And I just want to bring that up. I don't think it helps much for pandemics. I'm not sure. I hadn't, I haven't had, you know, luckily again, knock on wood, a big significant drop in my income because of the pandemic. Uh, but if you have a brick and mortar and you are involved in like a natural disaster or something, I think it may help potentially for things like that, but I don't know. You'll have to look into it yourself, but definitely recommend getting something like that. So those are just a couple of reasons why you need one. And again, my partner and I were just talking about some meme or, or something that we saw on Twitter and it was like, yeah, millennials, you know, we lived through you know, all this crazy stuff, 9-11, the housing crash of 08. We lived through all these school shootings and now we are living through this huge global pandemic. And, you know, yeah, I agree. Like millennials, my generation and, and Gen Z too has been through a lot, but all generations, like if you really think about it, all generations have had some weird stuff go on, some crazy stuff go on. I mean, my parents, they were living in the era of the civil rights movement. I mean, that was such a crazy time. Their parents were living through Vietnam, like, you know, and other wars and the Great Depression and things like that. And I mean, so I'm saying that just to say that that's that's life. Life throws lots of weird curveballs at us all. And it is really important to be as prepared as you can, especially if you're a business owner. So I wanted to switch up the show a little bit and wanted to start inviting some community members to share their tips and their insights on topics that I talk about. So I got a really great response from Josh Amika. We're going to give a little listen to what she thinks about emergency funds for freelancers and we'll regroup and chat after that. 
Hey, Latasha. So as a freelancer, I'm still building my emergency fund to at least three months of my monthly expenses. And I use my budget Google sheet that breaks down my personal bills, business expenses, even my grocery list, debt payment plan, and other savings goals. And I save at least 10% of every income that I make. And one thing that really helped me build my emergency fund is having a good relationship with money. So your mindset is the foundation of building it. Just like having a good relationship with your favorite person, this is how I treat my money. So just like checking in and making sure that your friend is okay, you check in with your money, pay attention to it, show it love and gratitude, even if it's just a dollar. Last year, I honestly thought I didn't have money to save, but when I changed my mindset, I was able to save $1,500 with inconsistent income while paying off debt within three months. Thank you for having me here in your podcast, and I would love to connect with my freelance friends on Instagram. Just search at Joshamika or check out my site, which is joshamika.com. That's J-A-S-C-H-A-M-I-K-K-A.com. Thank you. I love what Joshua had to say. I'm going to leave her links down in the show notes and in the description box as well. She honestly covered everything that I had here on my list. So I'm pretty much just going to break down every single thing that she said. So number one for the how to start an emergency fund is by knowing that you need one. So we've already covered that. I hope you guys are clear that you need one. I think it's also important to talk about how much you need because that's a question I get all the time. And I'm gonna be honest, it's one of those things that there's not a straightforward answer for. I wish I could say, you know what? You need $5,000, you need $10,000. I actually uh, pulled my Twitter. So this is a very unscientific poll because you know it's only going out to my couple thousand Twitter followers, but I did get 22 total votes. So here's what the breakdown looked like in terms of amount. of respondents said that they had an emergency fund of zero to $1,000. 27% said their emergency fund was between one and $5,000. 23% said they had five to 10K. And 14% said that they had an emergency fund of $10,000 or more. So I didn't take this poll to shame anyone or to make anyone feel bad. And again, I don't think there is a magical number. I don't think that there is a right number per se, but I'll tell you what I consider to be an emergency fund. At least when I left my day job and decided to go full-time freelance, I wanted to make sure that I had at least six months or so of expenses. If your goal is to leave your day job and become a full-time freelancer, start now, start documenting how much you're spending every single month, week, day, etc. This is something that I think when you have a salary and you're just kind of like used to getting that direct deposit every month, it's easy to just kind of lose sight of how much you spend. And we think, oh, I need living expenses. That means my rent times six, but it really is is more for most people. I mean, most of us have to pay not just rent, but also renter's insurance, car insurance, maybe a potential car note, maybe credit card bills, maybe student loans, maybe health insurance, all these things add up. So six months of that is about where I felt comfortable actually going ahead and saying, you know what, I have enough in the bank to do this thing full time. Obviously though, more is better, right? Like more security is better because when we're talking about the the era that we're in right now, 
I don't know when this is going to end. And I don't think anyone really does. We could be having effects from it for longer than six months. So, you know, I hope that's not the case. And, and I think we all hope that's not the case, uh, health wise and economic wise, but in case it isn't, obviously it's a very good thing to have more than six months saved up. So, What Jasha said was absolutely what I would recommend as well. She said she saves a percentage of every single invoice. I think she said 10%. This is super important. And this is one of my top recommendations is just get in the habit of saving a small percentage of every single, a bit of money that comes in, put a certain percentage of that into savings. And I also recommend having a separate account. So, you know, maybe this is just a savings account that is, you know, attached to your business checking account or maybe it's actually a high yield interest savings account or something that's actually going to earn you a little bit of money by putting money in there. And now I'll be honest, I am not an expert on that stuff. So if any of you guys are, or you know, anyone who is an expert when it comes to, you know, investments, I would love to have them on the podcast. So definitely get in touch with me. My email is always linked somewhere, (laughs) somewhere in the show notes or description box. So I'm not as good as I should be about actually investing, but I do have savings accounts and I put them in there automatically without thinking. A lot of banks will also do this automatically for you. If you say, Hey, every deposit that I get save like 5% or 10%, whatever the case may be, you might also just do a dollar amount, say, Hey, 50 bucks from every invoice. And if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, you know what? I don't make enough to save that. Like I don't make an extra $50 on my invoice. I need to use every single $50 that comes in. Then maybe it's time to raise your rates. And I know that that's scary, especially especially at a time like this. But, you know, to a lot of our clients, if we're working with larger companies or funded companies, things like that, $50 might not really be a huge make or break decision for them. If you say I'm raising my rates or, you know, you start offering your services $50 higher, that might not be a make or break thing for them. But for you, that can be such a game changer. So I definitely encourage you to you know, think about your pricing and make sure that you're pricing your services high enough to actually be able to save even just a little bit. Again, even $50 a month, that adds up. Another thing that you can do is you can designate a single stream of your income specifically to emergency fund and to savings. And I have a video all about my different revenue streams. I probably should update that because it's probably changed a bit, but I will leave that link down below and in the show notes as well, if you guys want to check it out. But I have, you know, several different streams of income. I do social media management. I do video production. I have this YouTube channel, which which earns a little bit of ad revenue. I do coaching. I sell courses. I do affiliate linking. I do sponsorships. Like I do a lot of different things. And some of those things are really small. Like my YouTube ad money is probably one of the smallest of those streams. Little pat on my back. I actually had my best YouTube revenue month last month, which is probably dwindling now that this virus is going on. It still wasn't very big, believe me. Um, But I could take something like that. One of my smaller revenue streams, and I could say, I'm going to put this all in savings. I'm not going to touch it. That's another good way to do that. And if you don't have a revenue stream again, where you feel like, you know, I need all the money that's coming in, think about adding a new revenue stream. It could be something as simple as affiliate links. It could be something as simple as 
uh, starting a course. I actually just did on Instagram, I did a little course challenge and it's still in my Instagram highlights. If anyone wants to check it out, I'll leave it up there for a little while, but I broke down every single step that it took me to launch a course. I'm actually launching a new video course very soon, either this weekend, probably next week. So excited about that. But I don't want to say that like, oh, it's so easy because it definitely requires knowledge and work to create a course, but that's definitely something you can probably do. So think about adding a revenue stream to the mix if you are not able to save. This one is an obvious one and it's a painful one, but you can always reduce your spending and live a little bit below your means. I am like the queen of living below my means. I actually just moved and I finally have my own office and studio space, which is exciting, but it has been uh, five years since I had my own office and I work from home full time and I have worked from home for at least three-ish years. So yeah, I it, I don't want to be like, oh, my life is so hard because it, it's not. I'm very grateful and, and lucky. But yeah, I mean, that was a little bit of a struggle. I could have had my own office. I could have gotten an office, you know, outside of the home. I actually talked about that in my last video. I could have done a lot of those things if I really wanted to, but I decided, let me live below my means. Let me like deal with what I got for as long as I kind of can, or, you know, a little bit longer so I can save up a little bit more money and just, you know, use that money for other things. Uh, You can live below your means in a lot of ways. I think right now actually is a really great time for us to start practicing this a little bit. I mean, we're, we should at least be practicing social distancing. We shouldn't be going out to restaurants, even if your city or state allows it still. I, wouldn't recommend it. I'm no doctor, but I I don't think that's recommended. So we're saving money on that. We're not driving as many places. So, I mean, I know I, I used to go out to eat at least a few times a week, at least two times a week. Usually right now I'm spending $200 at the grocery store and I'm not going back to the grocery store for a couple weeks at least. And that's for two people. And I'm not driving my car. I'm not going shopping. I'm even trying to stop ordering so much stuff because I know that, you know, those folks, the mail carriers and and like distribution center workers are working really hard. I don't want them to be burning out for me and my stupid purchases that I don't need. I'm trying to keep it to like household needs only. So I am actually saving a lot of money right now. And I think now is a good time to start really taking a hard look at your expenses and your lifestyle. Do I really need to eat out and spend $50 two times a week? Probably not. Leave it as a treat every once in a while. And you can easily take that $50 that you would spend on some gourmet pizza and put it into savings. My last tip is one that I don't know how people are going to feel about this one, but if you are somebody who's looking to leave your day job and become a full-time freelancer, you can always stay at your day job a little bit longer. And yeah, I know that I don't know. I don't know how people will take that, but I personally am very open and honest about the fact that I worked like I side hustled for years. I started freelancing in college and I didn't become a full-time freelancer until years later. It took me a long time. And could I have taken the leap sooner? Absolutely. Like in retrospect, looking back, I'm like, yeah, I totally could have, but I'm really glad I didn't because I was able to build up that emergency fund of at least six months of expenses. I was able to use my day job to really 
fuel my business. So, you know, I was able to attend conferences and get certifications and spend money on trainings and travel to client sites and things like that without having to stress out about is my business going to go under because of this? Because I had a salary that was really helping me fund that. I was able to also learn the skills and kind of you know, figure out my processes before I took the full-time leap into entrepreneurship, I could mess up a little bit in my side hustle, to be honest with you, because there was less risk, right? If I, you know, didn't get a new client for several months, it wasn't such a big panic for me because I, I had my day job. And the thing is, I didn't spend my side hustle money. I saved pretty much all of the money that I made when I was side hustling. I mean, of course I used it for business expenses. So if I needed like to buy a new camera or, you know, paper things, printing services, things like that, I would use it. I saved money for taxes. But besides that, I wasn't going out and going on shopping sprees and buying Gucci bags. As nice as that sounds, that actually sounds fun going shopping, which I'm not a big shopper, but it's like funny when you're told that you can't leave your house, even though I'm such a homebody. Now I'm like, oh, I want to go to the mall. But uh, anywho, so I didn't spend any of that money. So I, I think it's okay to say, you know, I know that like hustle Twitter doesn't like it when I'm honest about how long things took me. And again, could I have done it sooner? Yes. Can you? Absolutely. But I'm happy with what I did and I think that it's not a bad idea if you're kind of trying to decide what your next move is and you're trying to feel out what's going on with the economy and with you know global health, you're not crazy for saying, you know what, maybe I'll give myself an extra couple months at my day job before I take the leap and just try to save a little bit more or just try to feel out the economic situation. While we're on this topic, I also want to say I got a comment. I, I get comments like this all the time, but I got one recently just because of all of this COVID stuff saying, you know, I was going to leave my job and go freelance full time. I think I know the answer, but w- what do you recommend? And I just want to say I will never tell someone, and this goes for my paid coaching clients and everything. I would never tell my coaching clients, you need to quit your job or no, don't quit your job. I talk about this a lot the role of intuition in business and just making your own decisions. The thing with being a coach is it is not my job to tell you what to do. I am not going to map out a plan for you. My job as a coach is to teach you how to be a CEO. It's to teach you how to make the best decisions for you and your company. And that involves a lot of things that involves research that involves listening to your inner self that involves you know writing pros and cons lists but that's not for me to decide and i think that's a totally valid question that this person asked so i'm not you know by any means upset with them for asking me that but i would never tell you what the right answer is so Maybe this is a good tip to stay at your job longer. Maybe it's a terrible tip. Maybe your job is seriously affecting your physical or mental health and you need to go. So that is up to you. And I have confidence and faith in you that you will figure it out, you know? So it's a very personal thing, but maybe that's what you need to do. So with that said, those are my tips for building an emergency fund. I hope I have convinced you that you need one. I strongly recommend you start saving for an emergency fund just for a rainy day. It it also like just if you want to take time off. Honestly, when all this is done, which please let it be done soon, 
I just want to take some time off. I just want to sit on my couch because right now I feel like I'm actually working harder than I ever have because I'm stressed and I just, I don't know, it's just a stressful time and I feel like I'm, I'm doing a lot right now. I want to just take a couple weeks off, to be honest. An emergency fund can totally be used for that. So let's think positively, think towards the future, think about our vacation that we're going to take and start saving some money. So thank you so much for watching. If you are on YouTube, please go ahead and leave me a thumbs up, comment down below and subscribe to my channel. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, go ahead and subscribe and please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me out a ton, helps other people find the show and helps grow the community. Thanks so much for listening today. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Bye. I'm Latasha James, and that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to review it on iTunes or share it with a friend. This podcast is all about community, so you can also go ahead and head over to the Facebook group. It's called the Freelance Friday podcast community, or follow me on social. My handle is the Latasha James across all platforms. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. And like I said, feel free to share it with a friend, tag a friend, screenshot the episode and tag a friend. It really helps us grow this community. And my goal is to help as many people through this collective community become better freelancers and more empowered freelancers. So that's it for the episode. I'll talk to you in the next one. It airs every single Friday. I'll talk to you again then.